Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 is where we're going to be at tonight. And um, a little bit like last week where we were uh, poor in spirit, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. We're, we're not elevating much above poor in spirit. Sounds pretty bad. Right now, this week, we're going to be blessed are those who mourn. So we've went from poor in spirit to mourning. Um, but listen, there's a great message in mourning for God, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, it's interesting that the word blessed in Greek uh, can be translated as happy. So some people have, have asked the question, does this verse mean that blessed or happy, if you will, are those who are unhappy? Uh, implying somehow maybe that mourning means to be unhappy. In fact, uh, kind of interesting in the early church, some people really took this literally and they were uh, actually believed that if you were going to to bless to those who mourn, to mourn men to be unhappy. So they felt that as a Christian, you know, being a Christian equaled being uh, miserable, if you will, and unhappy. So they went around in this kind of state of mourning, if you will. Um, and then some people believe that uh, today uh, and over time, one of the reasons that we see people that you, you see people refer to, they're putting on their happy face, is to try to counterbalance this whole idea that to be a Christian, you had to be unhappy. You had to somehow have this period of unhappiness. So now, you know, we've come around full circle to where people now put on a happy face, trying to cover up maybe something that's in their life that's hurting them. And good news, in reality, it's neither of those, right? Uh, being a Christian has really nothing to do with either one of those. Uh, it certainly doesn't equal uh, being miserable. Being a Christian has nothing to do, hopefully, with being miserable. It should be exactly the opposite, right? But it also isn't really about putting on a smiley face. It's not about being something that you're not. Um, sometimes being a Christian is hard, isn't it? Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, it can be very sad, um, but that's really not where our happiness comes from as a Christian, right? It's not where our joy comes from. It's not some outward expression of, 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 of some other thing that might be happening in our life. It's a, it's, an, it's a deep joy that's inside of us that comes only from God. I saw this play out uh, this week uh, when I was out making a hospital visit. Uh, I got to go uh, visit a, uh, a man who had been in an accident a couple of weeks ago with his two children, one age 12, his son, and his daughter, age 11. They were driving back from Missouri about three weeks ago, and they had an accident uh, with a uh, semi-truck. And the son walked away from the accident with no scratches. The father has tremendous injuries, but the 11-year-old daughter died. And it's a very, very sad situation. And I went into this room just really not knowing exactly what to expect. And clearly there's a lot of remorse and sadness in that room. But it's really hard to describe the joy that was in that room also. Uh, I left being tremendously blessed just by the Spirit of God in that room because uh, they were clearly sad uh, on the outside about their, his daughter and losing her. But there was a tremendous amount of joy in that room about that God had saved him, his son, for a reason, and that his daughter was with uh, God in heaven. And, you know, it was just such an indescribable joy to me that it could only come from God, right? It could only come from God. So these Beatitudes that we're studying, 
this blessed be, uh, happy. Really, that's what they're trying to do is they're really kind of trying to define for us what it means to be happy, if you will, as a Christian. It isn't exactly what the world views as happy. So tonight we're going we're gonna to dive in and talk about the second beatitude. Uh, remember, beatitudes are character qualities, if you will, of Christians, Christ speaking to Christians. And in this beatitude number two, in verse four of chapter five, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So let's, let's try to break this down. Let's start by talking about uh, mourn. What does it mean to mourn? Well, how would you define mourn? And I've given you this, this uh, chart here, this little handout that's going to kind of help us walk through this. First, if you looked at a definition of mourn, it would be to grieve, okay, to be sad. Uh, the King James Version uses the word be well. Uh, that just sounds bad to me. Uh, and it really just means, be well means in Greek, a deep sadness. So to me, this, this mourning is a feeling of, of really sadness, almost so much sadness that you care about something so much, okay, that it almost makes you physically ill. It's that kind of mourning that we're talking about, that you care about something so much, okay, that it really would make you feel physically ill. You ever felt that way? You ever cared about something so much that it just, it hurts deep down inside? That's the kind of mourning that we're talking about. My definition, and of course, we're also, you know, not talking about just mourning anything. In this particular case, what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about mourning sin. Okay, he's talking about mourning sin, uh, not just uh, our sin, uh, but the sins of others as well, the sins, if you will, of the world. So my definition, if I had to give one of what it means here in this verse to mourn, it would be a deep sadness for our sin and the sin of others. And why the sin of others? Well, remember, this is Jesus talking to Christians. Uh, the heart of Jesus is, is, is the world, right? And for us as Christians, the Bible tells us that we should love others. So it isn't just self-focus in our sin, but it is for the sin of others as well. So it is this deep sadness, this caring, if you will, about something so much that it makes you hurt inside. And this is over our sin and the sin of others. So we also talked about last week that, that uh, again, these are character traits. So if we're trying to understand what it is that Jesus is, is saying here, what is the character trait that we want to get from this deep sadness? What is it that he's trying to teach us about our character? Do we, does he want us to learn? So I think a good place to start and look at this is to look to Jesus. Let's look at an example from Jesus. So turn with me, if you will, over uh, into the book of Mark, Mark chapter 14. And this is, we're going to talk about, remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is the night before he would be crucified, and he was in the Garden, he was praying. We're going to be in, starting there and looking at, um, really just in verse 34 is where I'm going to start. Remember, he was there in the Garden, and he was praying to God, and there's a number of different versions of this, of this time when he was in the Garden and he was praying, but, but look down there. In verse 34, and it says, he was talking, then he had just, well, I'll just go back, sorry, I'll start up in 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to greatly distress and trouble. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. If you looked in the 
uh, New Living Translation, it would say that my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Now, to me, that's a beautiful picture of what it means to mourn, isn't it? I mean, that's the mourning that I'm talking about. It is uh, Jesus telling us he is so sorrowful. His soul is so filled with sorrow, even to the point of death. So that's the mourning that we're talking about. But equally important to defining and, and understanding the mourning that we're talking about is really kind of what is behind it? What's the motive? Why really are we mourning sin? Okay, we know that we are, but why are we? So in this context, what was Jesus so sorrowful about? What, what, what made him so sorrowful at this moment before he was about to be taken away to be crucified? Anybody? So many rejected him? Do you think he was afraid of what was about to happen? Do you think it was about him? He was grieving for the world, exactly. Jesus wasn't, it wasn't about him and, and, and fear. I mean, we, we know many people through history that have faced crucifixion. In fact, uh, Peter uh, faced it with such boldness that he said, no, I'm not worthy, so I need to be crucified upside down. This wasn't about Jesus being afraid. This was God, right? This is God in the flesh. He could stop this in a moment. That's, that's not where his sorrow came from. That's not why he was sorrowful. Uh, why he was sorrowful, it really, let's look down a little bit further. It says, and going a little bit farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were po- possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. What is this cup he's talking about? It's the wrath of God. It's being poured out, right? And why is that being poured out? It's because of the sin. The sin of the world. So the sorrow, if you will, is exactly uh, what Donna was saying. It's, it's a sorrow that's because of sin. It's because of what's about to take place. It's what sin does, that it grieves God. That there is this separation, if you will, from, from God that is caused by sin. That's, that's why Jesus is so sorrowful here, is because that this sin is, is grieving God. That's, you know, God didn't want, design it this way. He didn't want to have to uh, send his son to die on a cross, right? It was, it was sin that caused this moment. It was sin that brought us to this moment. So for, for us, it's important to remember you know, why we are, are uh, mourning. And it is not uh, because of what it might do to us. Jesus wasn't, wasn't mourning because of what was about to happen to him. He was mourning because it grieved God. And that's really what this mourning is about, okay? What we're talking about here in this verse 4 is, is a sadness, okay, over sin because of what it does to God, not what it does to us. In fact, there's a great quote I found from Charles uh, Spurgeon. It says, I hate sin, not because it damns me, because, but because it has done wrong to God. To have grieved my God is the worst grief for me. So this is really not about us, right? This is about God. Paul speaks about this in 2 Corinthians 7.10. He says that for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So that's kind of what we're talking about here is this distinction, if you will, between what would be characterized as godly grief and what would be characterized as worldly grief. Now, worldly grief is about us. Okay, Worldly grief is about us. We don't like sin because of how it impacts us. You ever felt that way? 
you know, I don't like this sin or I don't like the consequence maybe of my sin. I'm not really that concerned about sin, but what I don't like is the consequences of the sin. It's a very selfish uh, view of sin, how it impacts me, how it hurts me, okay? And it's like when I was a child, I, I know that I didn't always, wasn't always remorseful. I wasn't always sad about something I did wrong, but a lot of times I was sad about getting in trouble, right? You know, it wasn't so much the sin, it was the consequences of the sin, and that's really what made me grieve. I found a, a great verse in the book of Hosea 7, 14. Uh, I, I got it from the New Living Translation because it's a little bit easier to understand. It said, they do not cry out to me with sincere hearts. Instead, they sit on their couches and wail. They cut themselves, a begging for in God's for grain and new wine, and they turn away from me. Hey, they don't come, they don't cry out to me for sincere hearts. They're worried about themselves. It's all about them. It's all about how sin affects me, okay? I think this plays out a lot in the world. I think about it uh, often in a number of different contexts. You know, you hear a lot today about uh, the LGBT, right? The, this is on the news every single day, especially Christian news. And sometimes I wonder when I read and listen to these things, I wonder what we're mourning over. Do we not like it because... It is a grievance against God because it's against God's holy word. Or do we not like it because maybe it doesn't match up with what, what we like? Does it make us uncomfortable? You know, is it just something that goes against what we like to see and like to be around? I don't know. It's a good question, right? I mean, you know, it could apply to a bunch of different things. You know, I think of it in terms uh, sometimes of terrorism. You know, do we, when we look at what's going on around the world, do we grieve, do we mourn? if you will, because uh, of lost souls and because of what their actions are doing to our God and how he feels about this and the sin, if you will, in their lives and what it means to their eternity and their separation from God? Or are we really grieving and mourning about it because it impacts our life? You know, that's really the, that's really the question is, you know, is, is this a selfish motive you know, are we grieving? Are we mourning for selfish reasons? Or are we grieving and mourning because it, it affects God? And so, so the opposite of this selfish worldly grief is godly grief. And then godly grief is, is about God. It's, it's, we don't like sin. We mourn sin because it makes God sad. It makes God sad. He hates, he hates sin. It grieves his heart. If you looked back in the book of Genesis, uh, after, uh, right before the flood, there's a verse in Genesis 6-6, and it says that, that God was disappointed, basically. He regretted uh, making man because it grieved his heart, the sin that he saw. You know, we saw in uh, the New Testament when Jesus wept, right? Uh, we, why did he weep? Why did Jesus, whenever he went to raise Lazarus, why was he weeping? Is it, was, he, was he crying over the death of Lazarus? No, he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that he held that power he was grieving for a, you know, probably a number of different reasons, but the first of which is what sin had done. How sin had impacted the lives of his friends. How he was grieving over uh, the Jewish nation and what had happened. So it's important to remember when we're trying to define what it is we're talking about here. Remember, blessed are those who mourn. What that mourning's about. It's a, it's, it's a deep sadness about sin, about our sin, about the sin of the world. And the, and the reason we're mourning that, though, is not about us, but it's about God. It's about what that sin does to hurt God. I know that 
again, when I was a kid, you know, I'd get in trouble a lot with my mom, and most of it didn't sink in. But the one thing that mattered to me was if I made her sad. It's still the one thing that matters to me today about my wife. Like, I could fight with Aaron, and we could argue about stuff, and I can go a long time doing that. But if I ever get to a point where I believe that I've made her sad... I'm giving away a a hint here too. If I ever get to the place where I know that I've made her sad, oh man, that just kills me. I I, I lose all, I just melt right then because I just can't stand the idea that I've made her sad. It changes the way I act. And and that's what we're talking about here is we're talking about mourning sin in our own lives and in the lives of others and in the, the sin that's in the world because that makes God sad. Because it hurts God. And, and that's what is making us mourn. That's what this mourning is about. And you know, we talked also, we said that last week that you know, it's important to remember about these Beatitudes that they are, are about your character. But we also then said, right, that out of that character flows your conduct and the way you act. Right? So remember you know, I was, what I read a few minutes ago from 2 Corinthians 7.10, what... Um, what Paul said about this, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation, and worldly grief produces death. So what's flowing out of our character, if you will, that we're talking about can be bucketed in worldly grief flows to death, and godly grief flows down to salvation, to repentance that leads to salvation and sanctification. So I'll give you two uh, good examples of this uh, from the Bible. Judas and Peter. Okay? Judas and Peter. We're going to look at this. We're going to do a little Bible jogging, if you will. So we're going to look in Matthew chapter 27. And then we're going to be going back over after that to Luke chapter 22. And we're going to look at just the difference here and what happens when you're dealing with a worldly grief, worldly mourning, when you're dealing with a godly grief or a godly mourning. In Matthew chapter 27, it's talking about Judas. This is after he had betrayed Jesus. Remember, he had this change of mind, if you will. And starting there in verse 3, it says, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind. Okay, he changed his mind. He brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and he hanged himself. So a lot had been said uh, by a lot of commentary about what it meant to change his mind. Um, Clearly there was regret and remorse um, of what he had done, but most people speculate that it was more about the consequences that would be uh, dealt to him. It was more about, you know, maybe how his life would turn out. It wasn't that he had grieved God, but that he had uh, hurt himself somehow because of his actions. And then since we know that out of uh, this action, out of your character, if you will, this this mourning flows you know, an action, we can know from just what happens that it wasn't true repentance, right? Because he goes from, he had this change of mind to what? Hanging himself. This worldly grief. It's a picture of worldly grief. It was what happened to him. 
you know, when you read that, he changed his mind. Do you see heartfelt mourning in that? Was there this, you know, was there this deep sadness over what he had done? Sounds more like he just, you know, okay, I had a change of opinion. Maybe I made a mistake, but not that I grieved the holy God. Now look over as a, as a comparison to what happens to Peter. In Luke chapter 22, there in verse 61, after he, when he's, he's denying Jesus three times, and down there in 61, after he had done it the third time, it said, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. He had also betrayed Jesus, much like Judas, right? He had betrayed Jesus. And then what does it say? And he went out and he wept bitterly. That sounds a lot more like mourning, doesn't it? He wept bitterly. And, 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 and then what, what flowed out of, out, of, out of this from Peter? What happened after this for Peter? Unlike Judas, who had just killed himself by hanging, Peter then goes and spends the rest of his life, right, as a follower of Jesus. He spends the rest of his life uh, doing what Jesus commanded of him after the resurrection when they were together, right? He said, go and follow me and feed my sheep. And that's what Peter did for the rest of his days. Okay, he had, he had a sorrow, a mournful heart over what he had done and how that had grieved God. It wasn't about him. It was because of the way he hurt Jesus. He wept bitterly over it. He wept bitterly over it. See, worldly grief, if we're in the worldly grief, we're, we're worried about ourself, what sin does to us, what the sins of the world does to us. Okay, that worldly grief will lead to depression, It'll lead to fear and anxiety. That's, we see that all the time, don't we? That's, that was the, that's the terrorism example that I, I mentioned. Whenever it's a focus on us, okay, when that sin's a focus on us, you know, it's going to lead to these bad things. Depression, fear, anxiety, even hate sometimes. True repentance you know, is, is modeled out by his action. So worldly grief, though, leads to death. That's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians. Uh, worldly grief brings worldly sorrow. But godly grief, mourning over sin because of what it does to God, it leads to repentance, right? If we're sorry and sad about sin because of how it hurts God, it's going to lead to repentance. It's going to lead to salvation. And I would also add to sanctification. This is really the key to the entire lesson. This is really the key to the entire verse of blessed are those who mourn. Is it, are you mourning for yourself or are you mourning for God? And that's really what it all boils down to. Um, we know it's about this deep sadness. We know it's, it's over sin. It's over our sins, over the sin of the world. So the real key then becomes, why? Why are you sad about it? It goes a little bit to, to maybe some of the, what Stephen talked about in self-righteousness, but is it all about you? Is it all about focusing on, on you, okay? Uh, it's one of the reasons the gateway we talked about was blessed as poor in spirit, humility, starting with a, with a humble spirit. Okay, well, this, this one now is, is, you know, we reached rock bottom before, um, emptied ourselves out so God can fill us up, and now we're at blessed are those who mourn. It's the, it's the U-turn. You know, it's the U-turn. Once we get to this point where uh, we have this mournful spirit, if you will, over sin and what it does to God, that it makes him sad as a Christian, that should make you want to turn away from that sin, right? It creates a repentant heart to turn back to Christ, to turn your life back to God and away from whatever's, you know, preventing you from that relationship, that salvation, that sanctification. 
Um, we have a good friend, you know, not everybody gets to have this kind of Peter moment where they are in the Bible uh, denying Jesus and they had this moment uh, where uh, they had this sorrow over their sin and how it had grieved God and that created this repentance that led to a life of, of following Christ. But a friend of ours had a very kind of similar moment, um, someone that's very dear to our, our family, his name uh, is Albie Pearson. And uh, Albie uh, was a baseball player, the shortest baseball player at the time to play. And this was back a long, long time ago. Albie's 80-ish now. Um, but he was playing baseball. He was a very good baseball player. And he uh, uh, had the privilege. There was this, this fundraiser for the Angels. He played for the Angels at the time. And they had this fundraiser for the March of Dimes. And they had collected this money. And they were going to give it to the March of Dimes. But the way they were going to do it is they were going to bring in a celebrity and they were going to give the money to this celebrity at this home plate presentation. Uh, and Albie was selected as the baseball player that would ceremonially hand over the money to the celebrity. So he's sitting in the dugout before this game. And uh, as he's sitting there, he doesn't know who the celebrity is going to be. And suddenly walks into the dugout as Marilyn Monroe. And uh, so he's sitting at one end of the dugout and Marilyn's at the other end of the dugout. And he musters up the courage to go over to her and introduce himself and started talking a little bit. And Albie says that he's never seen anyone that had such a sadness in their eyes. And um, as they're sitting there, before they walked out, uh, she looks at Albie and she says, uh, basically, is there anything that you want to say to me? Because I'm sure Albie, knowing Albie, he's looking at her intently and he says, oh, no, I have nothing to say. So they end up, they walk out there. He escorts her out, and he says that as they walk out the dugout, she turns on, and she puts on that smiley face, and she's, she's now Marilyn Monroe. So they go out and they do the ceremony, and as they're walking back, they get kind of close back to the dugout, and she looks at Albie again, and she says, uh, is there something that you want to say to me? And again, he says, no, ma'am, there's, there's nothing. So they go their separate ways, and the angels go back out on a road trip, and they finally they come back to, to New York uh, a few days later, and the front page of the paper is Marilyn Monroe commits suicide. Well, that destroyed Albie. Um, he had a deep, deep sadness over what had happened because sin had, had taken this, this beautiful woman's life uh, destroyed it, and then she killed herself. And from that moment, though, it completely changed the way Albie lived his life. That moment of mourning, that moment of sadness over that sin, turned his life around forever. He soon thereafter left baseball, decided that day when he read that paper that he would never again miss the opportunity to share Christ with someone. And after he left baseball, he has spent the last 50 years um, running ministries that help kids that have been abused and kids that have been in prison and preaching all over the world. And he's one of the great prayer warriors of the world. He travels the globe praying for people, uh, all because he was greatly saddened by this one event. So, ended up, you know, for him, leading to a life of following Christ, much like 
what happened to Peter, right? So we don't all have those kind of events in our life. Maybe there's not a clear moment where we really grieve and mourn over sin, you know? Maybe there's no bright line moment that that, that happens in our life. Um, the reality is, for most of us, it is a daily journey, right? Um, here comes the application side of this, if you will. I mean, how do you do this? You know, last week we talked about to be poor in spirit uh, meant to be humble in spirit. And we talked a lot about, right, how, how to be humble. You know, that pride's the opposite of humility, so we need to work on the pride in our life. You know, we need to get rid of the pride in our life. You know, we, we talked about how your actions, your conduct flows out of your character, but they also kind of go hand in hand, right? I mean, your action can help develop your character as well. So if that same holds true for this, then the one way we can work on having a spirit of mourning is to have a heart of repentance. To have a heart of repentance. I mean, uh, every day we need to be turning back to Christ. What, what does repentance mean? Change of direction, right? It's a change of your heart. It's a change of your mind. It's turning away from, from sin and turning back to God. It's a choice that we get to make every single day. It's a choice that we get to make every single day. I had this whole kind of corny way to remember this, and that it's probably the only uh, way that mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, relates to mourning, okay? <laughs> Uh, I had this whole kind of really corny way that you, I'm going to tell you because this is the way you're going to remember it. Like every morning when you get up, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, right? You have a choice. A lot of times you have a breakfast choice. Okay, I want bacon or sausage everywhere you go. All right, I want eggs, I want them fried or I want them scrambled. I love bre breakfast. We, in fact, as a family, for so long, for many years, Aaron and I would decide where we go on vacation by, did they have a good place to eat breakfast? There's just something enjoyable about that. But every morning, you get this choice. So I want that time, that breakfast morning, to remind you of this morning. Because every morning when you're getting up, you have a choice that you can make to have this repentant heart, okay, and focus on God, on mourning for God. Every day you get up, you can make this choice, okay, to have a repentant heart. And how do you do that? Well, again, you know, repentance is a change of heart, it's a change of mind as well. The Bible says that, that you should be transformed by the renewing of the mind, right? So how do, you, how do you do this? Then set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. Get connected with God through prayer, through reading your Bible, you will see the heart of God. You will see how he grieves sin. You will see how this world uh, and the sin of this world is against God's plan. And that will make you sad. Okay? That will make you sad. That will hopefully, once you, once you do this, it's going to lead you down a path, okay, to this sanctification. That's what this is all about. Remember, these, these are, there's a definite order with the Beatitudes. Okay? This is just, this is a down that path, if you will. Okay, of repentance that leads to salvation, that leads to sanctification. That's a, a lot of what these Beatitudes are about, right? Because if, if, you, if you have a humble spirit, if you mourn, if you care about sin in your life and in the lives of others, okay, then that's going to lead to repentance and that's going to lead down this path of, of gentleness. It's going to lead down the path of a hunger and thirst for righteousness and to, to purity and to peacefulness, okay? All of those things can come from someone that is humble in spirit and cares and is deeply saddened by sin.
that's deeply saddened by sin. Okay, but we can't do it alone. This is not something that, that we're able to do necessarily in our own power, right? It's not something we can do alone. We need God. Like last week we said that how do we, how do we live this life of humility and, and get pride out of our life? Uh, we said how? What? We need Jesus. Remember the answer was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We said we found it, if you will, in the verse itself. Well, I think we also find the help for for mourning, blessed are those who mourn, in this verse as well. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. They shall receive the grace of God. Okay, that's what that comfort is really about. It's about God's grace. Okay, it's about God's grace. If you looked over in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7, where I was referring to in this, this uh, passage that I keep reading about godly grief... If you looked at there and you looked and you start and I start reading for you in verse 4 of chapter 7, you're going to see the word comfort over and over and over again. He's writing to the church of Corinth and he says, I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, God using others to dispense of his grace, as he told us of your longing and your mourning, your zeal for me, so I, that I rejoice still more, for even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that letter grieved you, though only for a while, as it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. Comfort, over and over, the comfort of God. That's what, that's what uh, Jesus is saying here. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those okay, who has this deep sadness for sin because of how it grieves God. Because this person that has that, that, that mourning, they're going to be a person that, that is driven by their godly grief to repentance. Okay? And that repentance is going to lead to salvation. And that's going to lead to sanctification. All of which require God's grace. All of which requires God's grace. So the blessing that you receive for having this spirit of mourning is the comfort of God. The comfort of God. God's grace. God's always there to help us. And whatever it is he's asked us to do. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great promise? Isn't that a great promise? You know, there's a lot of uh, preachers today that, that don't really preach this repenting, this, the spirit of mourning. They feel like, for some reason, it, it's counter to grace. Uh, they, they don't want people focused in, on their sin and, and the spirit of mourning, if you will. Well, remember, this isn't... Uh, this isn't dwelling. We're not talking about dwelling. We're not talking about sitting at home and just being sad all the time about the sin of the world. That's not what this is talking about. This isn't dwelling. Okay, that would be counter to grace. But if you don't think that this spirit of mourning and repentance okay, is about grace, then you don't understand this beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I hope that we all um, would have a deep sadness for our sin and for the sin 
of the world. It's a tough place out there right now, isn't it? A lot of sin in this world. Um, you know, and it's not so much about what it does to us. That's natural. I mean, none of this, none of these beatitudes are natural, right? They're, they're, they're not something you can do in the natural. These were intended for Christians who were filled with the righteousness of Christ. So these aren't necessarily easy in the, in, in the, in the physical, fleshly man. But, I, but the closer we get to God, the more time we spend with God, the more we will develop this spirit of mourning because it grieves God, because of what it does to God and not necessarily what it does to us. And as we do that, it'll, it'll drive us down this path okay, of, of, of having a repentant heart that will lead to the sanctification that we're all after to be more and more like Christ. My sweet William, he has started his nightly Bible study on his own. So he goes up and he reads his Bible and to the joy of my heart comes down every night and asks me to help him understand what he has read. And he has started at probably two of the more difficult theological chapters in the Bible, Romans 6 and 7. <laughs> so we were just talking about this last night and he was trying to grasp the concept that we've talked about here in this class before about, you know, you know, sin is really the root cause of death and just really everything, all the death and destruction we see. And that's what he was studying last night is that, that sin entered the world through one man, right? And through that sin, death. And that's why we have death in this world is because of that sin of Adam. But then, thank goodness, while through one man came sin and death, life came through Christ, right? So, and our righteousness through what Jesus did on the cross. But, you know, it's really an interesting concept, I think, really kind of understanding this, this, this morning because the natural in us is really always about what it does to us. It really is just so easy to think in terms of how it impacts me, <laughs> um, you know, how I get hurt, how it hurts me. And one of the ways we emotionally distance ourselves from things like that is to, you know, it's okay, well, that's somebody else. It's not, you know, but... Really, when you get to the point in your walk with, with God where what grieves you is what it does to God, it, it, it's, it's that separation. That's really what's going to drive you to, to repentance and to sanctification. Because what we really all need to be is kind of where, you know, Stephen was preaching about tonight is that once you get to that point to where you realize that it isn't about you, but it's about how it grieves God and just that. That that sin of others and of the world, how it separated okay, them from God, that's really what you're mourning. That's what we're sad about. Okay? And as a Christian, okay, that should drive us to action. That should make us want to go out and do whatever we can to help them. Not about us, not about our comfort, not about how it impacts us and whether it makes us sad or hurts our life or, you know, threatens us or makes us afraid or prevents us from doing things. It should be exactly the opposite because we know what's happening out there and what it's doing to our God and what it's doing to their life because they're separated. It should drive us to want to go and help. And that's really what this morning is about. Blessed are those who mourn, who care about sin, who are deeply saddened about sin. Okay, because I'm going to comfort them. I'm going to give them grace. I'm going to pick them up and lift them up so they can go out and do what I've called them to do, which is to tell the world about me. Amen? All right, let me pray for you.